Welcome to the Exit Velocity Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Brent. I'm here with Jordan. How are we doing this evening? I'm great, man. How are you? Good, good. Yes, we also have a special guest on today, Zach Braff from the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. How are we doing? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into baseball, who's your team, who you root for. Sure. So I am unfortunately a, uh, a diehard Mets fan my whole life. <laughs> it's been pretty brutal. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, I actually moved to Miami about a year and a half ago. Uh, so I kind of became a fake Marlins fan while I was down there, which wasn't too much fun. But now I just recently moved back to New Jersey. So I'm all Mets again. But um, I've been doing fantasy baseball for quite some time. Um, really got into it back in middle school. So that's like around uh, like 03, 04 range. Um, not super competitive back in the day, but probably within the past um, like five to seven years, I've really kind of taken it to a more competitive level. So, um, yeah, I've been playing for quite some time. Huge baseball fan, huge Mets fan. And, um, yeah, looking forward to talking some baseball with you guys today. But also, bases loaded, so I'm a part of the bases loaded team with uh, Mike Curlin, George Montanez, and SP Streamer. So if you guys listening out there have not checked us out, feel free to uh, check us out on any podcast platform. Yeah, uh, we've listened a couple times and had Mike on as well. It's good stuff, a lot of information, a lot of analytics. Help you win your leagues. Yeah, for sure. Who's your favorite Met of all time? Ooh. I'm going to guess David Wright. You can go ahead. That's probably a good bet. It was was very tough to see David Wright the past few years there. But in his prime years, got to go David. He's he's like the Derek Jeter of of the Mm -hmm. Mets, I think. Um, So, yeah, it was very difficult to see what he went through. But um, in my era, probably David Wright and Piazza were my two favorites. Right on. And Robin Ventura. I was a big fan. He wasn't there that long, but um, when he was. Those are, yeah, those are my top three. Good deal. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that the Mets just didn't give David Wright the manager job. I don't I don't know. I don't understand that. I thought for sure that was David Wright's for the taking. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people thought that too, but I really think he just wanted some time off right now. He's got young kids, and I think he just needed a little bit of time away from the dugout. He's still, uh, I think, like an advisor to the GM, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back into coaching at some point. But man just wants to live his life like a little bit, I guess. Yeah. You can all agree yeah. with that. Yeah, so we had uh, a couple breaking signings this past week. Pretty much all the free agents are gone and dried up. Marte went to the Arizona Diamondbacks, so we can start with that one since that, I believe, is the oldest one where – what kind of impact do you think he has with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, um, Zach? I think it's a good fit. Um, I'm not the biggest Marte fan out there, and I know there were a lot of rumors of Marte actually going to the Mets for uh, 
a few pieces, I think. Nimmo was in there, Dom Smith, um, a few names. But I'm honestly glad that the Mets didn't do this. Uh, I mean, Marte, he's he's getting up there. He's, he's 31 right now, going on 32. Um, you always see guys in their mid-30s kind of slow down with the speed, and that's really what he's known for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be an okay fit over there. Um, it, it doesn't excite me overly too much. Like I said, I've really just never been a Starling Marte fan, um, especially after a suspension a few years ago. I just, I'm just not the biggest fan. But, yeah, I mean, I think he'll, he'll do okay out there. They got a crowded outfield situation, I think, over there. Um, mm-hmm. I know they just signed Cole Calhoun. Josh mm-hmm. Rojas was supposed to be a good sleeper, but he's – probably gonna um become a utility man i guess now and who else is out there who am i missing um david peralta peralta yes thank you so it should be interesting to see what they do out there but uh yeah i mean i think it's it's a solid move they got a very deep farm system too and they didn't Mm -hmm. really give up um too much talent um i think they gave away like their second or third shortstop prospect so it just shows they got a ton of depth out there so it's a good move for the d-backs i guess yeah jordan what do you think yeah i would say say comparing value on a team starling Marte on the diamondbacks is far more appealing than him on the pittsburgh pirates with a 43 million dollars or what do they have for payroll this year? $43 million collectively as a team. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't much there besides Josh Bell, maybe Gregory Polanco. So I think with him moving to Arizona, I think that helps his value a bit. Um, so, I'd, I mean, I would favor him now more than I did in a Pittsburgh uniform. But um, like you said, Steele's him being older. I feel like he's got a couple of years left in the tank as far as for the Steels category but I don't know how Im- impactful he will be at least in the next couple of years. I'd say this is this year and next year, probably his last two years left in the tank as far as steals are concerned. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a cheaper source of steals than your Trey Turner's Alberto Mondesi's where they're getting drafted. Plus I think in Arizona behind in front of some of those hitters, Kettle Marte, Eduardo Escobar, he could easily score a hundred plus runs, steal 30 plus bags. So we shall see. Very dangerous uh, team. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they're sneaky good. Matt Madison Bumgarner, they signed Zach Gallon. Like they they're putting it together quiet out in the desert. Yeah, Gallon and Weaver, love that combo this year. I love Weaver. I got I got to share Weaver in our draft, and I love it. You had him pretty high in your your starting pitching rankings in the last yeah. episode, didn't you? I <laughs> yeah. I like I like the aggressiveness on that one. <laughs> it was probably a little biased, a little bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, a Weaver uh, Weaver B, believer in a Bieber fever. <laughs> Got the Bieber fever. <laughs> All right, so Nicholas Castellanos also signed with the Cincinnati Reds, and being a local, I'm excited to see that. Even though I'm not a fan of his defense, actually, you guys, I believe on Instagram, put out that spray chart of him in Great American, didn't you? Yes, we did. And it's a very pretty looking spray chart. Ooh. Right? That's why after I saw that, I mean, after the signing, I was like, that's why he's playing a great American. <laughs> yeah, it's a great ballpark for him. A lot of those doubles are going to become home runs. I mean, you're definitely looking at easy 30 home runs if he stays healthy over there. And that's a great lineup, great team as well. I love the fit. Um, he's got some great stat cast metrics as well. Um, yeah, I, I know you're saying about the defense, but I really think 
first of all, it, what was it? It's like a four-year deal, but there's an opt-out after one year. So this really yeah. could just be – it probably is just going to be a one-year deal. Hopefully he plays well and he can really cash out next year. But I think that the DH coming to the NL is going to happen sooner than later. So I don't think the defense is a huge concern. But, yeah, man, he's he's going to rake in that lineup. It just makes it really difficult because there's so many outfield options in Cincinnati now. kind of – it's a log jam out there. Yeah, we had a full discussion on who they think we're going to keep in Cincinnati. I think Winker is going to be the odd man out. Everyone thinks Sinzel is going to get traded. Him and uh, Hunter Green will get a combination trade for like Lindor. But I think Winker's out. What do you think, uh, Jordan? Yeah, I think if they were to trade anybody, I mean, to provide any like win now um, strategy, it would be to trade Sinzel just due to his uh, being injury prone and the fact that he has still has immense value, but a guy like Hunter green too, if they were able to move those types of pieces right now for established starters, or I, I guess I don't really know what hole they have now as offensively, but um, I'm sure they could always amplify the bullpen too, but they also, they also signed stroke today too. But um, I would say, I mean, the odd man out would be Winker as far as performance. I think he, but I don't think there would be bad enough value there. So um, that's kind of my opinion. But with Nick, Nick Castellanos, uh, with his audition in a Cubs uniform, I loved it. And I feel like if he can bring any sort of vibe like he did in Chicago to Cincinnati, he'll be a fan favorite. Yeah. And like you said, Zach, I believe he led the league in doubles last year, if not was in the top three. And we went to a game up in Detroit. Uh, Detroit played the LA Angels, and I believe he had two or three doubles that game. But one of our buddies from up there, he said the one thing that all the Tigers fans can't stand is that defense. But if he does turn those doubles into home runs, you're looking at a top 15, 20 outfielder. Yeah. Yeah, he used to be a, a third baseman. I think that's what he yep. came up as. So. Yep. I mean, maybe a move to first base eventually is possible. But like I said, I think the DH is probably coming in 2021, 2022. So regardless of where he goes after Cincinnati, um, he's probably going to be a DH in the long term. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch the Reds. And speaking of just we were just talking about Hunter Green, not that long ago he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And people were saying he was the next movement in baseball. Us Twins fans were mad that we took Royce Lewis over Hunter Green, but that's not looking so shabby anymore. By the way, I love Royce Lewis. I'm a huge Royce Lewis fan. Do you think he makes an impact this year, or are we thinking more 2021? I would personally say 2021, but then again, it all depends upon how the team performs, um, particularly in the second half. Yeah. He needs to shorten up that swing. It's my only concern. It's a very long, long swing, which is going to be prone to strikeouts at the big league level. But that's that's for another day. Um, but <laughs> the the Hunter Green comments before, um, I just I can't see them dealing Hunter Green. I mean, he's coming off of the Tommy John surgery. I feel like they really want to see this guy through. So if they were to make a move for Lindor, which would be a perfect fit for Lindor, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely agree with you, Jordan. I think Senzel is a perfect piece. I would package Senzel and Winker, and they have some other decent prospects as well. 
Um, they had a guy that they drafted in the first round last year. Um, what's his name? Is it Lodolo, I believe? Uh, Nick yeah. Lodolo and Jonathan India. I mean, if they could package those guys, I really think that's a, a pretty fair package. It sounds like the Indians are ready to move on from the door, which I don't know why other than money. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, this would be a great fit for Lindor and I would move any piece possible for him if I'm the Reds. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Speaking of things that don't make sense and why certain teams ain't keeping players that should be with the franchise forever. Uh, Mookie Betts is rumored to be heat, uh, be back on the trade market and heating up. He could be going to San Diego, the Dodgers. Uh, where do you think he ends up, Zach? I want him to end up with the pot. Well, first of all, I want him to stay in Boston. I think that yeah. would be the ideal fit. This guy should be a Boston guy for life. And mm. for some reason, they're being cheap. We know they have money. I don't know why they're doing this. Apparently, he demanded $400 million earlier in the week. That was his counteroffer. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an MVP caliber player. I mean, you got to pay the man. He's mm-hmm. kind of worth that. He's right up there with Trout and War. Um, he deserves that money. But that being said, if they do deal him, I personally would like to see him in San Diego. I think it's time for San Diego to start competing. I think this would help. Um, it would be nice if they could maybe package bets with Price and maybe send Myers and prospects back to the Red Sox to kind of offset that money. But um, being realistic, I think it's going to be the Dodgers. They just mm-hmm. they've got the money and they have a ton of pieces. Um, to make the move. So we'll see. It's It sounds like this could be happening pretty soon too. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to see what happens. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think with uh, Mookie, I would agree that he should just, I mean, ideally remain as a Red Sox till their day he retires, but he is just 27 years old and has had just great success in that uniform. Um, I just, like you said, I just see him landing with the team like the Dodgers solely because that's a team that has the most, um, I would like, as far as like odds for him to resign Unlike the Padres, I feel like it's a safer bet for him to resign with the Dodgers and with the pieces that they have, like Alex Verdugo and, um, a catcher prospect like Diaz. I really thought that Dustin may could be potentially even dealt too. Um, but I guess that might be even a little bit too much. But um, I personally think it would be the Dodgers. But if I could have it my way, I would keep him in a Red Sox uniform and he would just settle for $300 million for 10 years. Yeah. So yeah, horrible. Think... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now yeah, he wants you... 12 years, $420 million, So, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, so these contracts are almost – I mean, this money is ridiculous, but they're almost getting out of control. And it all started with that Harper, and now they all want 300-plus, 10 years. And it's like, I mean, these guys are already almost 30 years old. What are you going to keep them till you're 40? And the teams have learned. I mean, look at Albert Pujols. Angels have learned about that contract. That didn't work out so well. Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, the list goes on. Yeah. Matt Kemp got a big one, and that didn't work out. Um, yeah, it doesn't work out more often than not. I think yeah. this would be the year, though, to invest in Mookie Betts, too, as far as it being a contract year. Like, yet, if last year was considered a down year and he scored 135 runs, like, it'd be interesting to see what he does in his contract year. Yep. 
look out. Yeah. Yeah, it shall be interesting. All right. So we finally, after about a month and about a week, a month and a week and a half, two weeks, we ended our 16 team uh, podcast league dynasty draft uh, 45 rounds later. Prospects going <laughs> in odd places, guys getting drafted early, guys getting drafted late, all kinds of things. But I know we had a you two are you two. This was your first dynasty draft, and I know a, bu- a bunch of guys in the league. It was their first dynasty draft. I've only I'm in two other dynasties that I drafted a couple years ago, but I prefer the dynasty layout. What do you guys think, Zach? You can go first on this one. Okay. Um, so yeah, like you said, this is my first uh true dynasty league i've I've done keeper leagues before uh with some prospects but this is the first time i've actually really dove in and drafted um a a huge dynasty team like this and um my approach kind of going into it was uh i really i do pay attention a lot to to the minor league minor leaguers and the prospects and um my goal was to grab some some top guys early on um, but I was really trying to go for a balanced approach. I didn't want to go too prospect heavy and I didn't want to go too hitter heavy. I was really looking for that balanced approach. Um, so that was my goal. And I think I kind of stuck to that. Like the first, first prospect that I personally took, I uh, was in the sixth round with Lazardo. Um, so I, I went Lazardo six, Kevin Biggio in the seventh, Kopech in the eighth and Kalenic in the ninth. So I kind of went on a, a youth run in those four rounds and then I took a little break, but, but yeah, man, I think it's, it's huge. I don't know why I'm echoing by the way. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think youth is, is huge in this. I know we'll get to your team shortly. I think you guys kind of took the more veteran approach in this, but um, yeah, I think it's huge to have some, some top 100 guys on your team. Um, if your team just doesn't work out this year, you need to be in good shape for the next few years. And I'm pretty satisfied with uh, some of the guys that I got. And I also started with Tatis as well. So mm-hmm. I felt good about the youth on my team, even though my second and third pick, um, my two, three, four picks were DeGrom, Springer, and Scherzer. So a little bit on the older side, but mixing that with the youth, I feel really good about that. And it's probably a similar philosophy that you guys have. If let's say things don't work out uh, this year or next year, then you could, it's probably easier to trade off some of these veterans that are producing now for some younger talent. So if it doesn't work out right away, that's my plan. So we'll see how things go. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what's your philosophy in your first dynasty league? I guess I really didn't really know what to play out as far as it like as it progressed things just went a certain way so like when I I landed Lindor at 10 which I thought was a bit of a surprise I didn't really expect him to be there at 10 but then when that pick was up I really was contemplating uh, Tatis and Lindor being that it is a dynasty and he is a bit younger um, when thank he was you. thank you for yeah. passing on Tatis <laughs> and, <when you> picked, <laughs> and then when you picked him like basically only four picks later I was like darn like did I make the right move and I just second guessed it for basically four four rounds afterwards um but when I got my pick I thought was key was Gleber Torres in the second round mm-hmm. the seventh pick in 23rd overall um being that he's just 23 years old and 
a highly touted prospect in his day. I think that he's got a bright, bright future, especially in uh, New York. But uh, definitely went pitcher heavy. Snell, Giolito, Glasnow in the top five rounds. So I primarily always just want to focus on pitchers. That's just my game, or it has been as in the past couple of years. And I didn't really know how to play out the prospects. I contemplated addressing it early, and then some guys were going just a bit earlier than I wanted them to. So then I just let them slide, and then they just kept that that kind of market just kind of faded away from me. So I addressed them. I got some guys like Austin Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle a bit later, but realistically, like my in this dynasty league is quite weak, and I kind of went with the uh, starting roster of guys with ages ranging between 23 and 28 years old that have either have still something left to prove like a Miguel Sano and a Byron Buxton, <laughs> but also a guy like Willie Calhoun um, that I still feel like has uh, bright potential. So, but I also have a guy like Chris Davis that I took decently late. Who's Davis, DH. Davis. For those yeah. So, not the Orioles. Chris Davis on Oakland, not the Orioles. Oh yeah. Got to specify. Oakland, Chris Davis. <laughs> You took plenty oh, yeah. of Orioles in this draft, but not Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of my approach. But one guy on my team that I would like to highlight that I was kind of surprised, and he's a guy that I never usually would pick, was Marcus Simeon. Um, he was there and some some like reliable guy there. I mean, I really he's never something that I would draft, and he kind of just fell to me. And I contemplated that pick for quite a while, and ended up just sticking with me due to the fact that he had great success this past season. And with Matt Olson and a healthy Oakland lineup this upcoming season, I think he's going to continue his success of what he had in 2019. So, Yeah, I mean, the top four in the Oakland A's lineup is about as good as you get in baseball. But just looking through all the teams, I feel like everyone drafted a pretty decent balance except the one team that sticks out. And when he was drafting, I was like, what is he doing? And that's Jeff Peckham. I don't think he has a guy over 21 years of age until the 25th round. Which he draft all kids. It's new, new team, team nine. New team, nine. New team nine. I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, he has he his first picks, If they he turn out. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But if his guys turn out in five years, he has the best team. I mean, he has Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Wander Franco, Carlos Correa, Luis Robert. I mean, most of his Mackenzie guys. Gore. Yeah. Nate, Nate Pearson. Kyle Tucker. I mean, the list goes, he has all the young studs. So, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But he picked Jamison Tyone. I'm not saying, like, I mean, Jamison Tyone ain't going to play this year. Um, and I really did not like anything I was seeing this past year, but maybe that was because he had Tommy John. But yeah. He was also on the Pirates who just don't know what they're doing. They're coaching. Yeah. So, could be a good pick um, yeah. for next year. Mm hmm. Yeah, but uh, how I like to draft is win now, and then I can always pick up prospects later, trade win now kind of players for prospects if I don't make the playoffs. I mean, my first prospect I took was in the 21st round, and that was Kyle Lewis. And he's not going to be a prospect halfway through the season anymore because he's probably going to be the starting outfielder. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, I just draft all win now guys. It doesn't matter what set kind of dynasty league. I just draft win now players, get my prospects later. I mean – Cavico with the Twins was actually not even drafted 
And if he was, he was on a free agent pool. So I was able to even pick a guy up like that. And I think in two, three years, he could be a top five prospect with the Twins. Dude, Brent, your first 11 picks are just uh, – 12 picks uh, <laughs> are just flat-out solid. Um, his offense, for those of you that don't know, I mean, he, you're looking at a team with Arenado, Rendon, Altuve, J.D. Martinez in the fourth. It, it, it was crazy because you got some older guys who really just fell in this draft. Yeah. J.D. in the fourth round, Max Scherzer in the fourth round. It's, it's just crazy. And then Olsen in the fifth, which I was very pissed off about. I wanted yeah, Olsen. I think we all were. <laughs> he was he was falling, and I was hoping, and it didn't work out. But yeah, man, both of your teams, I really really like what you guys did. Obviously, it's a little bit weaker on the prospect side, but maybe you'll make some moves in the long run. But um, Jordan, I really like your team too, man. Snell, Giolito, Glasnow is is huge. And um, it sounds like you may have been listening to our podcast because you took a bunch of the guys we've been hyping up in Luke Weaver, Griffin Canning, Sandy Alcantara. Um, Those are some (laughs) great young upside arms, which I really like. And maybe after we're done with this podcast, we can talk trades. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we do business. I like it. (laughs) But once I get started on trades, I just don't stop and I just – (laughs) <laughs> that's how my team just gets weaker and weaker so i, I feel you i traded for yoana cespedes yesterday that's all you guys need to know <laughs> yeah i saw that <laughs> why i don't know why i'm, I'm just i'm a bitter mets fan <laughs> need him yeah i was gonna hey, say he's healthy he's healthy yeah. he's gonna hit 30 bombs yeah he says he will too, so we'll see what happens. He's got the capability. Just got to stay healthy. If he says he will, that probably means he won't. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get attacked by another wild boar. <laughs> yeah, I feel like him and Madison Bumgarner, some of the weirdest things happen to those two. It's always yeah. something drone. It's just always some weird injury. Yep. Yeah, I was going right. to say, Zach, on your team, two guys that stuck out to me was getting Andrew McCutcheon in the 20th round with a 307th pick and Hunter Renfro, who is probably going to be the starting right fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. And if not, he's probably going to slide right into the DH spot with the 359th pick. That could be a potential 4,100 guy right there. Yeah, I am very excited about Renfro. I mean, I think one of the reasons that I was so excited about Renfro is because I saw what what the Rays did last year with Travis Darno. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you guys have heard it many times already. I'm a Mets fan. Darno was just god-awful with the Mets. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do a thing. Going to the Rays, um, pitching and offensive, it, it it is a huge game-changer. And I really think Renfro is going to make some huge strides this year. The main thing is going to be playing time. They they signed that Japanese guy. I don't know his name. Yoshi Sushigomo or whatever. Um so that might kind of cut into his playing time, but I, I think Renfro is the real deal. I mean, he's a 30 home run, 40 home run guy. Honestly, it reminds me a lot of Pete Alonzo, really does. They've got big power bats, um, maybe like 250, 260 average. That's the type of guy they are, and I, I can really see him succeeding there. So, yeah, I actually traded up for him in our draft. I traded a few picks. I traded some early picks next year because guys – I had guys in my queue that were just flying off the boards in this draft. It was very hard to plan in advance 
to get guys because they were just going. So if there was a guy that I wanted, I, I, I made a few trades to get up there and Renfro was one of them. And I agree with you about McCutcheon. I couldn't believe he was there in round 20. Um, great value. He's uh, not stealing as many bases as before. And obviously with the knee injury last year, that might hold him back. But everywhere else he contributes. So I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, I actually pretty- love I actually love Andrew McCutcheon. I actually, mm-hmm. before, prior to his injury last year, um, he was right on his way to 125 runs scored. And that on-base percentage is just rock solid. Yep. Um, being that at May with the new management in town too, I just think that's it's even going to be better for him. That Phillies lineup this year is going to be even stronger, and the momentum that they had last year now going into 2020, I think he's going to, if he remains healthy, obviously, but should have a rock solid 2020. Yeah, wasn't Girardi the manager when McCutcheon was with the Yankees? I think so. If I'm not mistaken, that's why I was thinking. I just I actually I just thought of that. I don't I think, think uh, it, was, it may have been no, like the first like, or it was second that, year of Boone. Yeah, oh. it was only a splash for McCutcheon. So yeah, that was such a that was so quick because I I didn't even remember that till about a second ago that he was yeah. with the Yankees even. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna do uh, three guys that were a steal that you thought were a steal in this draft. Uh, I can go first with that, and then we're gonna do three guys that you thought were a reach that could have probably fell if these guys didn't take them so early. So guys that were a steal that I thought was Chris Sale at 54. Him and Kershaw, for some reason, they just keep falling in redrafts, dynasty, whatever. I know they're up there in age. They're 30, 31 years old. But these guys not that long ago were were the best two pitchers in the game. And I still think Chris Sale has a ton, in the ba- a ton of gas in the tank, even though he's had the arm problems. But that's what I think was Sale. And then at Blackman at 94, I know on the CBS Today podcast, they were saying in redraft, Blackman's falling and he could potentially be a top 10 first round type bat. And I totally agree with that. 33 years old, I believe, 33, 34. So he's still got three to four years left in the tank and he'll probably move to the AL and DH. And then my other guy, Corey Seager at 109, still only 25 years old. Shortstop is a deeper position, but he's probably going to bat leadoff or in the second slot in the L.A. Dodgers lineup, score 100-plus runs, bat around 270, and probably drive in 80-plus. What do you guys think of those three? Good picks. Um, Chris Sale, I agree. He definitely fell a little bit further than I thought, but there's just a lot of baggage right now with Chris Sale. Um, So I kind of understand why it happened that way. Um, but I think overall, if he can remain healthy, I think that's um, great value. And Kershaw as well. Everybody, like you said, just keeps discounting Kershaw. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is he just keeps getting it done year after year. He may not start 30 games every year from here on out, but he's still as productive as it gets. So those are some good picks, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with your Kershaw take, um, especially for – like how prior to like like going back to last year, preparing for 2019 and his injury that he encountered, a lot of guys had him off their boards at that point in time, and he just fell off the draft boards. And those that got him obviously had great success with that. And I think that him being healthy now going into 2020 and uh, with little – with that whole – with the whole Astros thing in 2017, I think he's got 
um, oh, I feel like he's got a, got like extra momentum going into 2020. And um, I mean, he's reliable. So had a great rock solid career. And I think that he should, I'd say he's considered a steal in this draft. So he was one of the takes that I had chosen as well. Yeah. Zach, who are your three guys looking through that you think were steals? So I really like the Walker Bueller pick. Um, Bueller was taken at 28. And mm-hmm. I just felt like there were a lot of guys. I actually considered him um, in my with my second pick. Uh, I took DeGrom. Um, where did I take DeGrom? Um, 16, 17, 19th 17, overall? Yeah, 19th overall. So I was very torn between DeGrom and Bueller. Could have gone either there. I just kind of went with my guy. But I, I think I thought Bueller could have gone end of the first, early second. Um, he's like the perfect dynasty pitcher. And I think he's right up there in your starting pitching dynasty ranks for both of you guys. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised that he went towards the back end of the second over guys um, like Bichette and Otani. Um, there were maybe even maybe even um, Javier Baez. That's that's a spoiler alert. That's one of my reaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Walker Bueller was was one of the steals I had. I also like one of your picks, Brent, Marcelo Zuna, who's uh, been really <laughs> he's been very active in our group chat uh, because there was a trade. But um, Zuna was taken in, what, the 11th round, pick 168. He just kept falling and falling in this draft, and it's because he, he didn't have a team. I think yep. the rumors were circulating during the draft that the White Sox may be interested. I don't know if that's kind of when you pulled the trigger on that. But he should not be going 168, way too far down there. So I thought that was a good steal. And I also really like the trade that you made, but that's for another conversation. Um, <laughs> another – two other guys I'll just I'll just touch on real quick. Mitch Keller, 205, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy with very high upside, uh, I thought he fell a little too far. He actually got sniped the pick right before me. I had him all queued up, and I was really pissed about that. Um, so Keller went 205. I was – thought that was a steal right there and one guy that just fell he's gonna be out for the year but jordan hicks went 504 this is a a lights out closer and yeah he's gonna be out for this year but he's still very young under 25 and i mean that's just gonna be a huge steal for a closer for however long this league continues for at 504 um so yeah those are some of the guys that I thought were uh, were good steals. Yeah, Jordan, who do you got? I actually had Ozuna as well, um, and that's kind of like the unknown going into the draft, where he we didn't know where he was going to end up, and that's kind of I feel, how I feel that we slipped on him for so long, but now that he's in a Braves uniform, I feel like he's a good deal, even though you dealt him and got Chris Bryant. Um, there's that on the table. But uh, another guy that I really – I feel like I missed on was uh, Dylan Carlson. And he was selected ninth round, 13th overall in that round, uh, 141st overall in the draft. Uh, he was the guy that I just kept uh, digging in on uh, with his steel speed – or like that whole combo that he had going. And I think that if he gets the opportunity to get uh, regular playing time, He's a guy that I really want, and I still do to this day. I'm still trying to get a trade worked out with him, but it's just not really working in my favor right now. So 
I think I, I, I had it right in my hands and I picked a catcher. So I don't do that. I did something I never do. And that's what happened in Dynasty. So did you, you passed on Carlson or he was taken before you could pull the I trigger? picked Will Smith for Dylan Carlson. Uh, you might regret that. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking like, and that was, and that goes back to like the 2019 timeframe where he was, Will Smith was doing really well for me. Yeah. And not like the tail end of the year when he was a very much disappointment. So I regretted it as soon as I picked him. Um, I wish I had a little bit more time. I felt, I don't know. Three, three picks after you. It, like I said, yeah. it, it was very tough in this draft because if there's guys you're eyeing, it's just really hard to get a gauge for where other uh, guys are ranking these players. Uh, it's just yeah. it was really all over the place. Um, well, that was so the guy. That was the guy too. Like you had, you picked Dylan Cease. And I actually was like, oh, he's not going to be picked this round. I can wait. And literally right after he picked up, I was like, what? Well, you can thank the guy right before me because I had Mitch Keller queued up. He was taken right before me. So my backup plan was Dylan C. So it's really all the guy's fault before me. I think it was Dan. Yeah. And he's also the same guy that picked Carlson too. Um, There we go. Yeah, so he's in that market. But the, but all th- actually another guy like Mitch Keller too. He was another guy that I thought I regret not taking. But here we are. But those are the guys. Well, you still have some really good young upside arms, so you'll be set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank speaking you. of drafting guys, I know you at base is loaded. I think someone Mike Curlin said it best. I don't know if it's you or Mike Curlin, but don't wait for guys that you want and wait for the ADP to fall or whatever. Take them when you need them. And I thought yeah. that was good, good stuff. Yeah. And like we said, it, it's really hard. Like ADP is very difficult in, in a dynasty format. Um, ADP most of the time is just for standard redraft. Um, it might be a little bit different for fan tracks because I know they do a lot of dynasty drafts. But yeah, it's it was really tough to tell with the ADP that was sourced on fan tracks um, compared to where these guys were actually being taken. So. Yeah, you you have to be pleased with the uh, Lazardo news and that the fact that he's going to be starting the rotation to begin the year, right? Yeah, I mean, I I thought that he would start the year in the rotation. I was more concerned about Puck, but yeah, I think overall Lazardo is probably still going to have an innings limit this year. I would think maybe like one fifty if we're lucky. But yeah, I'm I'm pleased, especially for Puck too. I'm a, a Puck owner in some other leagues, and yeah, I mean, I thought Puck was going to be kind of become a hater type guy. But that's great news for both of them, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know. I was just looking up AJ Puck the other day, digging into him a little bit. The dude is 6'7", 238 pounds. Yeah, I did not know. That's incredible. He's nasty out there. It's like Randy Johnson-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and one other guy that I want to talk about, if he, I want to give a shout-out to. I'm sure he, he lit, tunes into the podcast all the time. I'm being sarcastic. But Kyle Hendricks, this is a guy that nobody ever talks about, ever, in any – I feel like nobody, in no podcast, nothing. And this dude has a 3-1-4 career ERA and a 1.11 whip in his career. And every year, he's just consistent and solid and just holds the Cubs rotation down. And nobody likes him. It's because – I don't know if it's because he doesn't strike guys out or what, but We've what do you think? About this. We've talked about this on our podcast, Hendricks, as well. Hendricks is basically a poor man's Mike Soroka, 
this year. Mm-hmm. Very similar numbers, um, going to eat innings, but not a ton of strikeouts, great ratios, um, and he's going so much lower. Um, I don't have the ADP right in front of me, but, I mean, Soroka's probably going top 25 starting pitchers, and Hendricks is probably within the, what, like 30 to 40 range? Yeah. Um, for a very similar type pitcher. So, yeah, I agree. It's great value. Yeah, I feel like he's like a average Joe type category guy, and he kind of goes under the radar and has been throughout his whole career. I feel I can't remember. There's a guy that he was actually compared to on Twitter. Someone did an analysis. Obviously, a bigger name too that you would just not even think twice and just select him over Kyle Hendricks. But uh, he actually had better numbers than him, so I feel like that actually goes without saying with a lot of guys too. Yeah. So yeah, here at Exit Velocity and bases loaded, Kyle, we like you. <laughs> all right so thanks for listening yeah. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we'll go on to the three guys that were a reach in this draft i'll start here and then we'll go to zach and jordan number one for me has to be showtime shohei otani at 20th overall so in the second round 20th overall when i saw that i was shocked but i believe it's because fantrax does pitching and the batter, they take both, right? They do, but I don't think Otani is eligible yet for pitching. I think he needs to pitch um, a certain number of innings or get a certain number of starts before he gets that eligibility back. But in the long run, yes, he'll be both. But I completely agree with you. I thought that was quite the reach for Otani. Yeah, I was like, wow. But then I knew Dan, he, Dan said something in the chat, and then he made that pick. And I was just like, gee, gosh, cripes. I thought it was going to be somebody else, but it was Otani. I mean, he's good. He's probably going to put up nice numbers in that lineup with Rendon and Trout. And when he pitches, he's a great middle-of-the-rotation guy. But second round, I feel like it was a little bit of a reach. Yeah. Um, it's my, just, my, oh, go ahead. I'll comment later. Oh, sorry. All right. I'll do my second biggest surprise. Had to be Bo Bichette at 26th overall. Yes, I think he's going to be great. Not as good as Vlad Guerrero, but he was hyped up just as much. But in the second round, especially shortstop, I feel like that was a reach. I think he could have fell probably to the fourth or fifth round, and you could have scooped him up there. But if you want him, I guess you got to get him. And my third guy, I'm not high on him. I've never been high on him. I know Jordan likes him. But Jordan, Air Jordan Alvarez with the 18th overall pick in the second round. I feel like I don't I don't know how I feel about him yet. In the playoffs, he was horrible. Guy strikes out a ton. I compare him to a poor Chris Davis from the Oakland A's. What do you guys think? Uh, go ahead, Jordan. I'll let you go first. Uh, first off, comment on Bobichet. I would agree that he was a bit yeah, – I think he was drafted too high. Um, I'll agree as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that I wouldn't have – I mean, the fact that I, we were actually – him, this the owner of Bo Bichette in our league was chatting with me about uh, potential trade talks about some other guys that I have in my team. And then I didn't actually know he took him in the second round until that until now. So um, now I feel like he's definitely off <laughs> off the market, and I have no chance. But uh, yeah, I I mean, he had a great uh, regular season. Obviously, not postseason, 
but he may have not have been able to hear the banging of the drums or something <laughs> in the playoffs. So I I think it's not a reach. I mean, second round, being 22 years old, he was highly touted before he got called up. And I, I mean, yes, he struck out, but I still think he's got a bright future being 22 years old. And he did a lot of home runs. Yes, he had a lot of strikeouts, but that's what power gets you. Um, look at Joey Gallo, for example, and look what look at the strides Joey Gallo's made um, this like this past year and prior to his injury. So I think those types of tweaks can be done with a 22 year old guy, and I think that um, in a dynasty format alone, that he is worth a top 20 pick. So that's kind of my defense on the top 20 guy in Jordan Alvarez. I think it's <laughs> somewhat insulting to compare Jordan to Chris <laughs> to Kyrus Davis. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting out of Kyrus Davis. You're getting a 247 or lower batting average every year. I mean, Alvarez put up um, 313 average, 412 OBP, over 650 slugging. Um, I mean, Alvarez is a much superior player than Chris Davis. Um, so it was it was a little bit of a reach. But if you're drafting at the back end of the draft, you know that these guys are not making it back to you. So if you want your guy, you got to go get your guy. And I think that's mm-hmm. what he did there. So a um, little bit of a reach, but I respect his reach. <laughs> yeah, I've never um, been – I just – I've never liked Jordan. I don't know, them he, strikeouts really scare me. He just had – he had an amazing season overall between mm-hmm. the minors and the majors. He made huge strides last year. Um, I would think more of the regular season numbers. The postseason was concerning, but um, I think he's more of that regular season hitter than the playoff um, hitter that we all saw. So I like that pick. A little bit high, but I could deal with it. I agree with you on Otani. I thought that was a reach. And the major concern with him is we, we still don't know what they're going to use him for um, on the pitching side. Joe Madden is known to just kind of mess with fantasy owners all over the place. And I could really see Otani. First of all, he's probably going to be getting at least one start a week. Um, Max one start a week, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really going to limit him. And I can also see them moving him into maybe a high leverage relief situation at some point. So you're kind of banking on just his, his hitting at this point, but it's just, it's so up in the air that I just think there were a lot better choices at that spot. But like we said before, if that's the guy that you want, you know, he's probably not getting back to you. So you just got to pull the trigger. So mm-hmm. actually I kind of forgot to comment on Owatani. Um in my eyes or a guy like that. I feel like I've had a guy like that in my past where like I probably draft him too high and then he almost becomes like a liability on your team because you can't part ways with them because of your pride. But then you like also can't get what you want for him. And then you just continue just to have him starting as if he's going to progress and be that guy that you thought he would be. But I just end up thinking that he might just be a fantasy liability and just be in that plug and play type situation where you might not be able to like, you won't, you won't get the value. I mean, you might big picture, but in I would say in the next year or two with the limited pitching, I it's a big old question mark for me. The good thing about Otani with this league, this is a daily league. If this was a weekly league, this is daily, correct? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. This is I'm sorry, I'm I'm in way too many leagues. It's hard to remember them all. 
Um, but daily leagues, like, okay, I can understand this. But if this is a weekly league with Otani, that's a complete game changer. I want absolutely nothing to do with him in a weekly league. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just came across some interesting facts about Bo Bichette. He played high school baseball in the Tampa Bay's, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays backyard in St. Petersburg. He fell in the second round, but he was the Florida Gatorade Player of the Year and batted 560 in high school and 430 in college. My question is, how in the world do the Rays, especially with him in their backyard, does he fall to the 66th overall pick? I just find that interesting. I don't know. I just came across that. I was like, what in the world? I feel like the Rays would be all over that the way they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder who they took instead of him. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But I'm I'll sure it panned out because it's the Rays. Yeah, Rays doing Rays things. Yep. All right, Zach, who are your three guys that you thought were a reach? So the first guy that I thought was a reach was, uh, we already mentioned him, Javier Baez at 12. Mm. I don't know what was happening with that pick, to be completely honest with you. (laughs) Um, There was quite the shortstop run. So at 10 was Lindor to Jordan, then Trey Turner went 11, and then Baez 12. And you still have – I have Tatis and Trevor Story way, way above Javier Baez, and especially in this dynasty format. So I was very surprised. But being the 14th pick, I was ecstatic that pick because I want nothing to do with Baez, and I had a feeling that I would get either Story or Tatis or Vlad. So I'm glad the cards fell the way they fell there. But I thought that was – quite the reach for Javi Baez there. Um, I agree with you on Otani. That was one of the guys that I had. Um, I also thought that Manny Machado was a little bit of a reach. Machado went Mm -hmm. 33 and there was a guy that went a little bit later, same position. Um, Machado went over Yohan Moncada at 41. I would have personally flip-flopped those. I think this is a a fantastic format for Moncada, hoping that he's going to run a little bit more. He made huge strides last year with his plate discipline. So I would have flip-flopped those two. So I thought that was a little bit of a reach for Machado. I think they were kind of just going for the name more than anything there. And I thought Jose Barrios, one of your guys, Mm. was a little bit of a reach. He went 44. Um, I'm a big Barrios guy as well. He's got amazing stuff, but he's just – he's not become that ace that everybody was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went ahead of guys. Um, he went ahead of Aaron Nola. I know it's a dynasty format, but he, Barrios went ahead of Verlander and Scherzer and Chris Sale and Giolito <laughs> and Luis Castillo. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, like I said, I'm a fan of Barrios, but he just has not put it together. And I think there were some much better names out there that should have went where he did. Yeah, interesting. Luis, the guy that drafted him, I'm in another dynasty league with him, and he has Jose Barrios on his team. And I've been trying to get him for forever. And he his price take on Barrios is like a price take on Vlad Guerrero in a dynasty league. It's crazy. Is he a twin so fan? I, no, he's an Oakland A's fan. He's from California. So I don't know what I don't know if he just wants to watch him on opening day because the twins open up in Oakland this year or what, but yeah, he's an Oakland A's fan, and he just loves Jose Barrios. I'm curious. You guys are the Twins guys. I mean, what what is your long-term outlook for Barrios? Do you think he's going to take the next step here, or is this kind of what he is? 
I personally think that last year, um, in the first handful of start, a handful of starts, I thought that's where. I mean, he was shining bright, and I thought that's like the Brios that I would expect. But then, as the season progressed, and you saw the remaining two thirds of the season, um, I end up having shares in him early on the season, and I parted ways. I don't know necessarily what to expect. Like a three six ERA he doesn't really pound the strike zone. With I mean, he doesn't strike guys out. So I think he ends up being like a three starter. Mm-hmm. He's a two. He's a two in my eyes right now. Uh, for us especially, but uh, a solid three in basically any decent rotation in baseball, um, but uh, definitely not an ace. Yeah, that's tough yeah. to hear. I'm going to have to sell him now in other leagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that 100% what Jordan just says. I think if the Twins would get an ace that can start at the number one spot and Brios can fall back to the two or three, I think it personally would take a little bit of pressure off of him and he would perform a little better. I don't know. I mean, he's still he's 25 years old, so he's somewhat of a young kid yet. But I think he just I think he just needs some pressure taken off of him because I feel like the Twins are like, "Hey, we're just going to get Homer Bailey and Rich Hill to help you out and here you got to win 20 games for us and throw 210 innings and strike guys out." I mean, I think there's there's just a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. I think a guy like Mad Bum would have been perfect to kind of slide yes. in there yep. ahead of him. But their words out of my mouth. That's that didn't exactly happen. But even looking at um, at Savant at Barrios's Statcast metrics here, um, I mean he's got he's clearly got like one of the nastiest curveballs from yeah. appearance wise. But his curveball spin rate really is it's twenty eighth percentile. It's not that impressive. His fastball spin rate not that impressive. K rate not that impressive. Um, I was expecting more. Um, uh, more overwhelming figures there, but it's it's kind of disappointing. So I don't know. I hope he takes a turn for the better here, but I agree with you guys. I think maybe this is the type of pitcher that we're looking at right now, like a three five yep. three six guy, which is kind of unfortunate, but mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. I yeah. really would have loved a Madison Baumgartner in a Twins uniform. I really think he would have – fit the environment well he could go deer hunting and do whatever he does in his outdoorsmanship but uh, yeah it's definitely disappointing so yeah with like speaking of this Todd going back to Barrios uh he actually where he struggles is against bad teams I mean watch him last year he struggles he struggled against the White Sox and he'd pitch fairly well against the better teams but I just I don't know if that's what if that's like a mental thing but I feel like every game that he pitched against like uh, the White Sox or the Tigers, he struggled against. So I don't know if that, what's up with that, but moving on. All right, Jordan, who are your three? So a handful have already been off the board. We've talked about as far as um, uh, reaches, obviously. But a guy that we could, re- I guess, really just have a discussion about is Keston here being selected in the second round. Um, yes, a prospect definitely has the pedigree. But what has he shown you guys to be a second round pick in 29th overall in a dynasty? Zach? Yeah, um, definitely thought that was a reach as well. Um, yeah, I mean, a few second basemen. I like your Glaber Torres pick. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk second baseman. But yeah. I was a little surprised with Albis and Kesson Hira going that early. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we got a very limited sample size mm-hmm. from uh, from Keston Hero at this point. So I mean, there's if- much more proven proven um younger guys like Aaron Judge, Eloy, um that went after him that I would have much rather over Keston Hero. Yeah, and if we're if Brent we're talking about strikeouts, he had hundred and seven strikeouts in eighty four games. That is uh ten plus more in three in three less games than uh my boy Eric Jordan. So <laughs> mm, throwing some spitting some stats out there. I like it. Uh <laughs> But if any place for Keston Hira, I like him in Miller Park and in front of Kristen Yelich. That's about it. I'm not a Keston Hira guy. I but, guess we just don't know who he is, right? But I just don't think that being – I mean, he's taken really high. Yeah. But I think there's just a lot more safe bets, especially to establish a team. You're kind of re- putting a lot on his shoulders. Like I put I put that on Glaber Torres, but I also think that Glaber Torres is more established and has – I mean, you kind of just got the keys and he's he's good, but – yeah, I know the guy that the guy that took Keston here is a Brewers fan, so that might have had a little bit of impact in that as well. Yeah, so my other guy that I've mentioned that was or I wanted to talk about that we already discussed is Bobachet. Um then kind of just digging deeper into guys. Um kind of, we're gonna be covering the second base uh area here soon. Um Jose Ramirez, second round, twenty fourth overall. I know that he had a MVP like season. But last year, he had a battle back from his rigorous, just disastrous first half. Um, What do you guys take on Jose Ramirez being selected 24th overall in Dynasty? I would. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. I don't like Joe Ram. I mean, I know he had that nice year, but he does steal you some bags, hits, hits for some power. But he plays at a deep position at third. And I don't know after this year. Is he even going to have second base eligibility? That's the question. If he doesn't, I feel like that even hurts his value more. But if he can avoid these streaks, I mean, he was bad for a year. The second half of 20, 2018 and then the first half of 2019 is terrible. But then the second half of 2019, he was great. So, I mean, if he can just stay more consistent, he'd be fine to own. But, gosh, if holding on to him for a year of bad baseball, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was really difficult to see Ramirez's first half last year. Uh, but he did make strides, made some swing changes in the second half, and it definitely uh, worked in his favor. And, yeah, I mean, we've talked about on our podcast just how stolen bases are just so scarce in this day and age. And if you can get 20 to 30 bags from Ramirez, then that's, that's huge uh, because there's just so many guys that you're – not getting that from at the top mm-hmm. of the drafts mm-hmm. right now. So I personally, I'm, I'm likely not going to have Ramirez on any teams, but I'm, I'm okay with Ramirez in the second rounds here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have anyone else you want to talk about? I was going to mention Andrew Benatendi being selected in the fifth round. I'm not sure if that's a steal or a, or just a bust of a pick. But I've been an Andrew Benatendi fan for quite some time and uh, just hasn't really provided me much hope or faith in the future, um, being that he is only 25 years old. But uh, hitting 13 homers in 138 games with the juice ball, I don't like it. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you think, Zach? Benatendi at 69 was uh, was another reach for me. 
I personally, the past few years, I've just been out on Ben Attendee. Uh, we were expecting a, a 300 guy, 20 homers, um, even like 20 to 30 stolen bases. He's really just not putting up those numbers right now. Uh, he's really mediocre at best. And he was going around guys like Joe Adele, and Luis Robert, Gavin Lux, Matt Olson in this round. Um, this was a huge round, round five. There were some huge guys that went off the board. Um, guys that I just mentioned, Eugenio Suarez, Mondesi went off the board, Reese Hoskins, Rizzo, Glasnow, Chapman, Solaire, McNeil. I mean, this is a huge round. And Ben Attendee is the complete opposite direction of these guys, in my opinion. So um, I think that was a huge reach, and that team could have gone – elsewhere for sure on that pick yeah yeah i'm out on ben ben Intendi as well i mean if he can get back to his if he can get to 25 plus stolen bags every season then i may might start believing and hit for get on base a little better but till then i'll chill and wait just like alberto mondesi all right so i was just gonna ask you guys this question we were just talking about this and in one of our chats of our other fantasy league the Colorado Rockies, some of their sports stations out there are saying, let's trade Nolan Arenado to the Cubs straight up for Chris Bryant. What do you think, Zach? Um, I think Arenado is far superior than Chris Bryant. And if I'm the Rockies, I want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's, that. I would say, start, the, I'd say the Cubs are getting a hell of a deal if they're doing it straight up. Yeah. But I would say that, I mean, I can't imagine how the excitement that the that Cubs nation would have by acquiring Arenado um, and the devastation in Coors Field. I don't know. I don't really think I'd be pleased, but um, definitely so, think Brent, that you the- have, you have Arenado in our league, correct? Yep. yep. What are your thoughts on Arenado being dealt elsewhere? Does that, uh, how does that affect Arenado's value in your opinion? Uh, we talked about this, I think, on two podcasts ago or two episodes. Oh, sorry. I need, I need to catch up then. Oh no, you're fine. But I was going to say, I was just going to go back. I'm not worried one bit. I think he's elite. His home road splits, they are a little different. But over his whole career, he's hit more home runs on the road than he has at home. Hard to believe. But his average and stuff is not as great and his OPS. I'm not worried at all. I think if he went to Coors, I don't think you see any change pretty at all. But if Bryant goes – or if he goes to uh, Wrigley, I mean, if Arenado goes to Wrigley, I don't think you see any change. But if Bryant goes to Coors – the way the kind of hitter he is too, uh, as a pull hitter, I think there you could see 40 home runs out of Chris Bryant. And I think he would be a top 15 player overall if he ended up in Coors Field. And let's talk about this the fact that Brent actually has both individuals on his team now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I might be a little biased too, but I've always... <laughs> that's a conversation. <laughs> I think Brent has uh, some insider trading going on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think Arenado, uh, pretty much wherever he goes, unless it's somewhere uh, like maybe Arizona, but he's not going to end up there. His value is not going to – I don't think it's going to take a hit too much. Maybe his average, yeah. everything else will be pretty much the same, I think. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so the question I have for both of you, who is your number one dynasty second baseman? Probably the shallowest position in fantasy baseball right now. If you had to pick any second baseman for Dynasty, who do you pick? Who's first? Uh, Zach. 
is a tough call. Um, I really do like Glaber Torres. I know that's Jordan's guy over there. Um, my concern with him in this question is I don't think he's going to be the long-term second baseman. Uh, with Didi gone, he's probably going to be the shortstop of the future there. But to answer the question now, I would probably go Glaber. Hmm. Although I still, even though everything that just came out, I still think Altuve has some good baseball left in him. I wish he was running more, but I still think in the average department, pretty much every other category, he's going to contribute. But uh, with youth on his side, I think Glaber Torres is a... I think he can be a 40 home run guy over in Yankee stadium. Um, and he gets to play the Orioles, um, like 20 times a year. So, yeah, I, I think I'm a Glaber guy in dynasty. Jordan. Yep. That's my pick. That's my guy. But <laughs> I would go ahead and say Albies is my close second. I don't know how close that second is for him. Um, El Tuve is obviously more established at the role, but, uh, without steals, I mean, I get, and then and going into 2020 with all the stuff that's happened in the off season, not really sure I was going to overcome that type of adversity. But uh, I would say Albies is two, but Glaber's my guy at one. So, yeah, my number one is Ozzy Albies, Glaber two, and then probably El Tuve three. I love Albies as long as he's hitting with Acuna and Freeman, he's going to score 100 plus runs every year. The power is actually a little bit of a surprise. And the stolen bags is actually a surprise because they thought he would be more of like the 30 stolen bag range and he's sitting around 15. So that's the only thing that if he can bring that up, I think he even becomes more elite. But I love Ozzy Albee, especially only 23 years old. I think he's got a bright future. And Jose Altuve even said he's going to be better than him. So that's what I got. And he's got Ozuna now too. Yeah. So. Yeah. That kind of just speaks to the the time that we're in with this game. I mean, this guy, Albies, he's capable of stealing over 30 bags, but there's just no reason to run him in that lineup. You don't Mm -hmm. want to run him into outs when you got some huge forces behind him that can knock him in. So, um, I mean, he clearly could steal more bags, but I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, maybe max 20, but yeah, I mean, he's a good productive player. Um, I'm curious, what do, you, what do you what do you guys think about Cattell Marte this season? He's moving back to second base probably full-time. Um, is he your four guy, or is he further down in the rankings for you guys? Mm, I'd probably have him eh, probably the six to eight range. I think he's going to have a little drop-off this year. Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a decent yeah. decent prospect in Seattle, and then when he got traded. But, yeah, he I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. So, I don't know what the – I think he's going to have a down year. But I'll see, yeah, probably the six to eight range. I'd say top five. I mean, like he was really a string bean, and now he's beefed up, and he had a great season this past season. Like you said, Brandon, it did come out of nowhere. I had shares of him early in the season, and I didn't really know what to do with it and how long it would last, and actually gave up. I gave up, and I feel like I ended up even dropping him, <laughs> and then he ended up just killing it. <laughs> but uh, to be f- taken in the third round of a dynasty draft i mean he obviously had a great season this past season um being top five at the position only 26 years old i mean i think think top five is a good good place for him five but yeah i agree with you guys i mean he came out of nowhere i expect regression i don't see him as a 30 home run guy 
in the future. But yeah, I mean, he just that power just really took us all by surprise last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see where he kind of falls on the spectrum this season. But uh, yeah, I think some guys are going to overpay for him based on those numbers last year, and I just don't think that's what he's. I don't think that's the player that he is in the long term. I, just per- I feel like thought. he. I don't even think he knew he could hit 32 home runs. <laughs> I, like no. being honest, like I feel like his ceiling prior to last year was like 21 home runs, and I'm yeah. just honestly surprised that he hit 32. And I, that could be his career year, and I'm. It could be wrong, and I. I could be wrong, but I personally think that he had a. Overly well, 2019. I just don't know if it can be replicated again. So, yeah. What's funny is Jordan, you brought that up last year when he got hot. I was watching Yahoo the ads and drops, and that like two week stretch where he got hot and cooled off and got hot again. I think he was by far the most added and dropped and added guy again. That that's that stretch that you dropped him. So yeah, I, just, I oh. added him and then I because <laughs> I just didn't. And he was like a utility guy because he plays multiple positions. But he was a guy that I, you just didn't know what would happen to him. And if you held on and were patient with him, he, he obviously did quite well. But uh, I didn't have the patience. Yeah, It kind of applies with his teammate also, um, Eduardo Escobar. Mm-hmm. Jack, 35 home runs last year. No one yeah. saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, those two guys just uh, really came out of nowhere. And I expect major regression from both of them. Mm-hmm. God, think if Eduardo is still on the Twins playing second base, add that 35 home runs in with that Bomba squad last year, that would have been something. Wouldn't it have been? Six six guys with 30-plus homers. <laughs> Crazy. All right, last question of the night, and then we'll wrap it up, is will saves in baseball matter in the year 2025 and beyond? My answer is no, just because of what the Rays have done what a lot of teams are doing. I feel like the, the closer is going to become somewhat irrelevant. It's going to be the matchup based right against lefty or whatever they do. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of is becoming that matchup game now. Uh, it just really depends on the, uh, the arsenal that these teams have in their bullpens. I mean, if you have, if you're the Yankees and you can throw either Chapman or Adovino in the ninth inning, um, it really just depends who you're facing. So, um, yeah, I mean, saves it really is not a meaningful stat nowadays anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's it's a huge um, statistic, and I don't consider it a premium stat. And if you're looking for saves in your fantasy league, I think I wouldn't overpay. I never overpay for saves. I think they can easily be found on the waiver wire because it's such a volatile position and there's so much turnover. So, yeah, I'm not expecting it to be as big in a few years. Jordan? Yeah, uh, being that, I mean, how the seasons, past couple seasons have gone, uh, the, the saves numbers have decreased immensely and, like, the matchup-based systems that we have. But you got to think about the strength of the bullpens now. That's just, like, where the game is at now. Um, no teams are, if you have an established bullpen, no team's afraid to resort to it early on in games. Um, teams even have openers, right? So games just changed. Uh, don't really think that I'm not a guy that really targets saves and drafts. Uh, and I think that's kind of where I stand on it. But uh, we played the saves plus holds last year. We're deterring from using holds again, and we're just going to keep saves as the category. But uh 
yeah, just different nowadays, I guess. So that's kind of where I stand on that. But I do have one more question um, before we wrap that up too, though. So, What is it? Uh, I was going to ask Zach uh, his thoughts on how he would rank Bieber, Clevenger, and Flaherty and in what order they would go. Three solid names. Um, I'm a very big Clevenger guy. So I would put Clevenger first mm-hmm. in that tier, then Bieber, then Flaherty. Um, I really like what we've seen out of Bieber. And um, the Cleveland Indians, they just, they just know how to develop pitching mm-hmm. and love what they've done with Bieber. Um, he really... I kind of compare Bieber to Musgrove, Joe mm-hmm. Musgrove a little bit. They both in the minor leagues, just tremendous walk rate, really not huge strikeout pitchers, but um, just impeccable control, which is really what you need to succeed at the big league level. So I'm hoping that Musgrove can kind of take Bieber-esque steps this year, but I'm a big Bieber fan. Um, I do like Jack Flaherty as well. I was telling you guys a little bit before, I just don't have him ranked as high as you guys just because the second half last year, it just brings back shades of Zach Wheeler in 2018 where he outpitched DeGrom in the second half. And then last season, he kind of just went back to the usual Zach Wheeler that we were used to seeing in the first half. So mm-hmm. I need to see Jack Flaherty kind of do this over a full season before I can commit to him being um, right up there like a top five pitcher. But I think he's on his way. But with those three guys you threw out there, um, I'm a Clevenger guy. And I know Clevenger doesn't have um, a ton of innings under his belt, and he has some injury concerns. But I think Arsenal-wise, I think Clevenger has the best stuff out of all three of those guys. Right on. I just feel like that's a great debate. I feel like those guys are kind of like in their own tier as far as being a bit younger than most and have a lot to prove still in their careers. So yep. thank you for the take. Yes, sir. Yeah, my world, uh, <laughs> Jack Flaherty is my second-ranked dynasty pitcher. Uh, redraft, he's my sixth-ranked. But my predictions for Flaherty, I think he has the ceiling or the potential of a Clayton Kershaw on the floor of a Patrick Corbin. So the worst you're going to get is Corbin. Jeez. I think, I think he's going to be great. I really do. So what's going to happen when you go to opening day and Flaherty gets lit up by the Reds? Are you going to change your tune on this or no? Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm going to be wearing a Jack Flaherty jersey. I'm going to be drinking Jack Flaherty Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it works out for you. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. So you guys got anything else? Else, Zach, thank you for joining us. If you just want to give all our listeners your Twitter handle, the base is loaded info so they can listen to your podcasts and anything else you want to provide. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at BraffZ. You can find Bases Loaded on Twitter and Instagram at Bases Loaded Pod. So be sure to check us out. Good deal. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. We had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed your time. So thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It was, uh, it was great to join you guys and best of luck with the podcast for you guys. And yeah, hopefully we can do this again in the near future. All right. Good deal. Yes. Take care. Sir, have a good night. Thanks, guys. You too.